Uh, good morning and welcome, especially if you're our guest. You're so, so welcome. Uh, we're continuing our story or our journey or our theme uh, on the, the whole area of healing. It's a, a part of uh, God's kingdom coming to earth. And that's what we want to really unpack this morning is developing a theology, an understanding, a biblical uh, support really to everything that we believe, but also everything that we practice. And we're going to begin that journey uh, this morning. But before we do uh, my story of the week, it's not that exciting like uh, I met someone out in the street and we got... I met someone in church last Sunday and uh, they came forwards at the end and... uh, They came really, really humbly and really wanting healing for a loved one of theirs. And so I said, that's great. Tell me more about the the condition. And they explained what it was. And uh, and so I I just lay hands with this gentleman last week and just began to pray in proxy, meaning on behalf of someone else. And we began to sort of just join together and pray for healing in that way. That's my story of the week. I'd love to know what yours are. I would love to know where the Lord is just encouraging you and giving you those wee nudges of like praying for, for one another. And I know as I even say that, some of you are like, oh, I haven't got one. And that's okay. But what one of the intentions of what we're seeking to do over the next number of weeks is encourage every one of us to be equipped in the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on those for healing. When we talk about healing, we're not just talking about, you know, things that are aches and pains in our bodies and what have you. As we have said it in context over the last three weeks, and we've given some definitions, certainly last week, uh, sickness is dis-ease. It's something of unease within ourselves and can be physical, can be emotional, can be spiritual, um, it can be just a number of things. Last week, I did set it in that context, and I, I said that we're, tr- we're treating the whole person. We take a holistic approach, not a holistic approach, but a holistic approach with a capital W. One where if we pray for somebody for headaches, we're not just treating it in isolation. We're beginning to think, well, why is that person suffering from headaches what else is going on in that person's life that requires that and so we treat the whole person and we ended last week with a conclusion that we are complex beings and that each of our facets the three uh, tripartite dimensions of uh, soul spirit and body all are intertwined and what have you so that's that what I'd like us to do is pray because I feel like I need the Lord's strength this morning as I try and teach what is, um, it's going to be pretty meaty stuff this morning. And I really want to get through, <laughs> I've seen some of your faces. <laughs> some of you are like, at last he's going to teach us something. <laughs> and then some of you, he's not just going to tell stories. It's not, he's going to teach us something. And then some of you are like, oh no, <laughs> he's going <laughs> to, I need to think this morning. So um, anyway. Let's pray. God, it is so good to be together. We thank you that we are called to be together, that we are family. And uh, God, I pray now that you would just so enable these words to come freely and in a way that we can all grasp a hold of and that your truth would 
uh, just just shine through. And we pray, God, that you would come to each and every person's uh, spirit and soul and body that you, Jesus, would manifest, move your presence through the Holy Spirit this morning to each and every person. Amen. I want to talk about a theology of the kingdom of God. Theology is a fancy word for what the Bible means or what the Bible teaches. Um, Kingdom of God is what we're talking about this morning. Stuff that we've talked about before, but I want us to talk about that because this whole context of healing has to be set in the context of our theology of the kingdom. Because the very last kind of sentence I'm going to say is this. There are other Christian viewpoints or theologies for this whole subject that I'm teaching on, healing. And, uh, and I am more than happy with anyone. And If you're confused at any point of time or you just don't agree with what I say, that's absolutely fine. And if you'd like to, I would invite you to come and let's have a conversation uh, either afterwards or some other time want to unpack what it means to have a theology of the kingdom of God. Because in essence, what we're talking about when we talk about healing is we're talking about war. We're talking about open warfare with uh, the principalities and the deep, dark things of the evil of this world. In 1 John 3 says this, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. His mission, Jesus' mission, was to enter Satan's kingdom or house, tie him up, and defeat him. And Jesus defeated Satan in a number of different ways, different levels, when his kingdom came, when people were set free, when they were healed. And our battle still today is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the principalities of this deep, dark world, the God of this age. But... Jesus, his kingdom has come through and in him as the person. We are called to partner with him in this kingdom uh, journey that he has us on, that we would do the very things that Jesus did. So in the beginning, let us start in the beginning, right way back into Genesis. He spent, God has spent five days creating the heavens and the earth and all the bits and bobs. And it comes to the climax on day six when he creates mankind, and he creates mankind in his image. On the seventh day, he rested. But at that moment, he created us in his image that we, mankind, would rule the earth, that we'd have power, we'd have authority and dominion to rule the earth. And not long after that, we rebelled. And we didn't fall in line with what God had intended for us. We had this perfect garden of Eden, this perfect state of delight, where mankind rested in peace and security and lived in shalom. Remember last week, shalom wasn't just a Jewish greeting. Hey, shalom, how you doing? It was the the word shalom, the Jewish, the Hebraic meaning of shalom is is utter wholeness and peace and Uh, prosperity and wellness within and we had that in the garden right at the beginning before the fall Adam and Eve rebelled they disobeyed his warnings and stepped out of God's boundaries 
for life. In walked Satan with death, and along with it came sickness, disease, pain, and suffering. Satan became the god of this age who has blinded the minds of unbelievers. This rulership that mankind has passed the same fell when Jesus came. So in the beginning, mankind fell. We rebelled and we gave power and dominion um, to Satan. But when Jesus came, this is the turning point, when Jesus came, that power and dominion that was given or handed to Satan fell with Jesus. Let me use um, uh, a biblical story to try and um, unpack this, just give a bit of story to this. So in the Old Testament, God and his people Israel, they were the special people. They were his people. And God, Yahweh, was doing life, relationship with his people, okay? Trying to explain this as best as I can. Part of the deal was that they were given land. They were entrusted with land. Land was was something that was kind of God's uh, given right to his people and his people worked the land for uh, produce and that God would bear fruit and uh, food and all the rest to supply the needs of the people. But often what would happen is that they would fall into debt. And what would happen when they fell into debt, the only way really out, out of it was that they would sell or they would give their land away to someone who they owed the money to and then they were submitted to slavery and they had to work their own land. So each person was entitled to their own land. Just picture a field. They get into debt, what do we do? The only way to pay the debt is to say, well, here, you can have my land to the person that they owed to. Now there's this wonderful, wonderful Jewish law that every 50 years, it was known as the year of Jubilee. Some of you already know this, but Here's just a real good picture or story. Every 50 years was the year of Jubilee when the land was given back to the rightful owner. Why am I telling you all this? We have given permission and authority for Satan to enter the land. But when Jesus came, marked the beginning of a Jubilee time. He comes and he rescues and he redeems and he gives what was entrusted to us back to us. That which was stolen from us, that which was taken from us through the person of Jesus. This is the turning point. The year of Jubilee comes that he would come to set us free from bondage within our slavery to the works of the evil one. Jesus further declares and demonstrates the kingdom through his teaching and through healing, miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus' final and ultimate declaration of war and demonstration of the kingdom comes through the death and resurrection. Hear these things, please. Jesus' death satisfied our legal requirement of justice, paying fully for our sins. His death subjected him from temporary exile from God. He took on the full force of evil, in so doing, stripping and disarming Satan of his power. Jesus reconciles us with God and the land. 
The curtain in the temple separating us from his presence is torn in two. It is finished. His work of re-creation is over. He is buried and descends to hell for three days. He re-enters God's presence, defeating the power of death and the grave. He returns to a new garden of Eden. It's within a garden of spring flowers. And he is seen as the gardener. He breathes a new species into being. The last Adam, which is what Jesus was known as, breathes his Holy Spirit on us. And we are born again, a new creation. The old has gone. The curse has been broken. The earth returned to its original owner. Jesus gives us power and authority and responsibility. We sang those songs, uh, there's about three songs in this morning, about Jesus, about the resurrection. I believe in God. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in this. And what we're doing is we're declaring the very, very truth and the essence of who we are and the way that he's made us, but what he has done for us, what he has done for us, what he has won for us. Say this again. Jesus gives us, if we know him, and love him and choose to follow him and serve him. He has given us power and authority and responsibility. A well-known verse, we use this and we sometimes read this from time to time because it's so fundamental to who we are as followers and disciples of Jesus is at the end of Matthew. Jesus came to them, the disciples that was, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Now, some of us have authority, right? If we're a parent, we have authority over our children. If you're a teacher, let's say, you, you have authority within the classroom. If you manage any uh, staff at work, you have authority that's been given to you. If you hold a British or an Irish passport, you have authority to enter certain countries. You have authority to do that. Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and we know the rest, most of us do. Jesus says, all authority been given to me. Authority where? Throughout heaven and earth. Therefore, go, go, that means us, go, go in that authority. Jesus is sending us, the body of Christ, to go and do the works of the kingdom, to speak the words of the kingdom, to demonstrate with signs and wonders the things of the kingdom. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sold, Sold is our ministry for our teenagers, Sunday night, and uh, we were chatting to them. Tonight we begin uh, Youth Alpha. And we'd really, really appreciate your prayers in this. As uh, from now right the way through to Christmas, we're going to go through that fantastic course, um, which is designated specifically for teenagers. And uh, we were chatting to them and saying to our young people, guys, would you consider praying? Would you consider thinking of those people who are in your life who they are looking and they're watching and they know you go to church and they know you might be a Christian and they are watching you. And I try to explain it as best as I could. I said, you are God's advert for Jesus. 
You are a walking advert. They are watching you. They are listening to you. They are seeing, is there anything different? Is there anything real? Is there, is there anything worth following this Jesus? You are the living proof of him. And we're the same, aren't we? We are the living, breathing, Jesus on feet, the hands of Je- as we go about. All authority was given to him and he passes it to us. He gives it to us that we might demonstrate the things of the kingdom. I'm lost slightly. I'm finding myself. So, when it comes to healing, ah, that's right, I was going to say that. If Jesus has given us all authority here on earth, Satan has no authority. We sang the words, didn't we? You have no rival you have no equal. Satan's not, you know, Chelsea, if you're a Liverpool fan, right? Yes, he's the opponent, right? But Chelsea's no match, right? You get the pitch I'm trying to... It's not in the notes, it's not in the notes, right? I'm off piston again slightly. Sometimes I think we think Satan is, is the... Is the, is the is, is the equal. He's not equal. He is defeated upon the cross. There's no rivalry there. But this is the kingdom theology. This is the now and the not yet, which we're coming to in a minute. And I realize I'm waffling slightly and some of you are lost. And I'm sorry, I'm trying my best. Please try. Please work with me. Is he still rules and reigns to a certain degree through deception because he's the father of lies. And so illegally walks the earth, trying, seeking to devour anyone that he might. He roars like a lion. And we um, would do well to know, though, that he is no equal or rival. Therefore, when we pray, sometimes for healing, especially in the area of physical healing, we use phrases like, I command and we name it, to leave in Jesus' name because you have no right to be there. Cancer is a wicked disease. Everything about it, and I'm aware that as I even say these words, that many of us will be affected by this wicked disease. Everything about it has Satan written all over it. And it's coming into being and the way that it manifests itself and all the rest is wicked in all of its ways. When we pray for cancer and we lay hands on someone, we command in the name of Jesus for it to be gone because it has no right in a person's physical body. We are entrusted. We are given this power. We are given this authority that comes from Jesus. And we could stay silent and we could choose not to, but we get to speak order into chaos. We get to speak life where there's death. We get to speak wellness where there's sickness. Kingdom of God in both Old Testament and New Testament means God's 
kingship. Listen to these words. It is a dynamic reality rather than a static idea. It is um, the manifestation of God's presence, his rule and reign, rather than a place. So when we pray the words that Jesus taught us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not praying for an actual physical state. What we're talking about is Jesus' rule and reign in a certain place or situation. Now the biblical theme that God is king, God will become king, speaks of a two-age era, two-kingdom uh, framework. And hang with me. First thing is this. The Old Testament prophets spoke of a time when Jesus would come, bringing his kingdom with phrases like the day of the Lord. So the prophet spoke of the day of the Lord. Now the day of the Lord refers to the time when Jesus obviously came. Kingdom theology is part of what's known as eschatological uh, or eschatology, which means the study of the last things. And we are living in this two-age era, and we're going to come to that in a minute. And with this, ah, there you go. Have a look at that. Try and make some sense of that. As I speak, this might make some sense as we go along. When Jesus came, it was the end of Satan's rule on earth. This we have already mentioned. Jesus was God's king, and he spoke the words, and he did the works, and he demonstrated the wonders of the kingdom. This all happened without the age coming to an end. It was the beginning of the end. As we look at this, let's try and unpack this slightly. It's probably easy for me just to look at that. At the very beginning on the left-hand side is the fall. We've talked about that this morning already. Then we have this Old Testament pro uh, promise. God manifesting his kingdom and his rule through certain times within life. The Exodus experience being... The probably the most significant or one of the most significant. God's people are held captives, slaves in exile, not in their land, not in their promised land. They are slaves in a different land. And God manifests his presence and does signs and wonders and miracles through the person of Moses. And Moses begins to lead the people of God into the promised land, out of slavery, out of sickness, out of bondage that they've been kept to. And in that moment, as he rescues and redeems, God manifests his presence through coming to a man through Moses, appears to him on Mount Sinai, and gives to them the Ten Commandments of which to have right relationship with. This is real basic stuff. Real fundamental things of God manifesting the, the, as king and bringing his kingdom. We see this through the Old Testament prophets and uh, promise. And it leads to the cross and the coming of the kingdom through the person of Jesus. We've talked about the death and resurrection and its importance. And through that, the kingdom has, been, uh, has come through Jesus. But Jesus also gives us power and authority to live in what is known as the kingdom of God and this New Testament fulfillment. But there's tension in this. And all of this will continue until the second coming, which is known as the future age. We are therefore living today in what is known in biblical terms as the last days. In these days, wheat and weeds grow side by side. Good and bad fish are netted together. We see the destruction of the evil one still in our midst. 
and yet we see signs of the kingdom coming. A couple of examples. Terrible things on earth take place. A mad, uh, crazy man decides to open fire on hundreds of people. We have a, a really sad accident or whatever it was with a tower block in London that burns down and, and takes many lives. You see, we see these things which capture our headlines, our terrible events, and we see this. But in the midst of the pain and the midst of the suffering and in the midst of uh, where there is evil that's present, we see signs of the kingdom when the church rises up and the people of God filled with the Spirit reach out. And we hear and we see and we have them interviewed, the most incredible stories of life coming. And so we see the weeds and the wheat growing side by side together in this period, this tension that's happening where the kingdom is advancing and yet illegally Satan still, through the father of lies, deceiving us. And we experience this battle within us, don't we? Those of us who are Christians, we've known and we've experienced what it's like to be set free and know Jesus in a way. We become, as the Bible teaches us, a new creation. And we begin to see freedom come within areas of our lives and we get healed up on the inside. And yet, we are still subjected to our own um, weaknesses and our own temptations to our old sinful nature. The two still go hand in hand in the last days. Theologians would call this eschatological tension. John expresses this well, says that we are already God's children, but we will be what we are to be has not yet been revealed in all its fullness. Sorry, I'm just reading over my notes. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm trying to, I've, I've, this has been quite hard for me to get across. It's, it's, it's meaty, right? And uh, we're probably grasping bits and other bits, maybe not so much. Um, I'm circling and then we'll land. The tension and the mystery of the kingdom. This, what I've tried to explain there, this eschatological tension. God coming in his kingdom, Satan still deceiving, two sort of going hand in hand. This is critical that we understand this as our theology when it comes to the practice of healing. I was having a conversation with uh, Johnny Farrell. Johnny, you'd know, uh, working for Stand By Me, part of our church with, uh, with Laura having this conversation with him earlier in the week about this whole subject of healing and just some s s summary things on it. We cannot dictate or control healing. We, we, we can't do that. But neither can we accept sickness and disease. As the people of God, we cannot accept it. And we must go after it. We pray with confident authority and expectation for healing. Yet, 
a humble and honest trust in God for the results and the outcome. Only God can heal. If we have too much kingdom now, we become arrogant and disillusioned. If we have too much kingdom later, we're pessimistic and fatalist. The tension is this. The tension that we live in embraces the now and not yet. The now meaning when we pray, God sometimes heals. The not yet when we pray, God sometimes doesn't heal. We learn to live and practice this overlap within the two ages that we are living in these last days. It results for us as disciples and followers of Jesus, persevering in faith, being optimistic in our realism. We depend on God. We discern the moment. We honor people with dignity. We respect the unknown and what might happen and we leave the outcome to God. To summarize, sickness is the result of death caused by the fall after creation. Healing is the result of the resurrection of the wounded healer. Sickness and healing are at war within this middle ground, this two-age era we live in, the now and the not yet. And I realize that I've spoken quite a lot of stuff this morning that has been, what would you say? You wouldn't say anything. Ben, what? Oh, good. Well, that was good. Um, if, you're, if you're confused in any of that, which I would fully imagine you would, some of you would be, or all of you would be, I'd love to chat some more about that, actually. And if you, there's something you just thought, uh, explain to me some more there, or I've heard elsewhere this, I, I'd really love to kind of chew on that and chat some more about that. So grab me after, or perhaps fire me an email or something. That would be great to do that. The guys who are leading worship, why don't you guys come up, and as they do that, uh, let's stand together.